0: turn. It's time for discussion and interviews about the world of golf. You won't hear anywhere else. Here are your hosts, Nick Heidelberger and Joe Simons. Hello. Hello. Welcome into another episode of at the turn. Live gets shut down and Nick and I play from the red tees. How are you, buddy? I'm doing very good. Doing very good. How are you? I'm good. I received a gift from Nick in the mail. Nick played his red tees 2 weeks before me and we bet a bottle of wine and before we reveal the results which we haven't to each other officially yet we're going to do that on the pod today already a courier brought a bottle of wine back to my house last night so i guess i'm victorious already
1: i believe you're victorious also there's there's a little bit of a reason why i i wanted to get out ahead of this because as we discussed this I don't want it to sound like I'm making excuses and delegitimizing my round. Oh, I, and I see. And I want to make sure that the bet is final, the the result is
0: established before I get into my actual round.
1: If that makes any sense,
0: it, it definitely does. I'm I'm gonna try to not do some complaining um, for the circumstances <laughs> of my of my round either. So that'll be. Interesting. Before we get to either of those, I want to remind you to please rate and review the podcast. No promotion going on right now. Just review out of the goodness of your heart, whether you're listening in Cumberland, Rhode Island, Raleigh, North Carolina, Portland, Oregon, Calgary, Alberta, Canada, please rate and review at the turn. It really helps the show. With that, it is time for the Handicap Report. It's brought to you by Piper Golf Use promo code Turn10 when you check out for 10% off everything. Balls. Christmas is coming up. Hanukkah's coming up. The holidays are coming up. Please go to piper.golf, buy golf balls and hats and everything you need for your loved ones. Use that promo code Turn10 at checkout for 10% off. I'll start, Nick. My handicap went up. I was an 8.2 for six weeks, and I've skyrocketed. To an 8.3. So I'm hanging on. I'm hanging on to a single digit handicap. Hopefully I can close the year out. I got what? Six weeks before we're done over here. 8.3 right now.
1: What do you got, buddy? Mine it, it remains unchanged. It's twenty three point um, three. I I checked last night because I booked the tee time for this weekend. And I was mm. like, ah, I should. I, I haven't done this in a while. I used to always check like the status of my twenty scores before I played every round. And be like, I need to shoot this in order to to do you knock really? this. Dude, wow. I, I used to do that. I haven't done that in, in a couple of years. Okay, good. But last night I was like, I should see what it's looking like. And I looked, and to give you an illustration of how bad of a stretch I was at twenty rounds ago my next 6 rounds all will not count for my handicap so you got a buffer so i've got basically i've got 6 rounds to play anything above my highest score on my on my best 8 to lower my handicap so uh, it kind of inspired me to be like hey i can get out there and, and hammer this last month home and like i can squeeze in a bunch of golf i've
0: got an opportunity and i really can't hurt myself see i i was in the same boat probably what five or six rounds ago where I was at an 8.2 and I had a five round buffer. Anything that was going to drop off my handicap didn't count towards my handicap already. So I had, you know, sort of a, a freewheeling attitude and I have found that. And I want to caution you. I didn't take the rounds as seriously as I should have, because when I got to a 10.2 when I, earlier this year, I really locked it down. and was like, all right, get your shit together, <laughs> figure this out and get back down to a single digit handicap cap. And once I got comfortably there, I sort of,
1: you know, let, let burns, you burn through
0: some rounds exactly right so that would just be my caution to you my friend okay. be careful out there
1: so I'll go out there trying to shoot the best score possible that's, that's a that's good advice
0: yes that should be your strategy please that's do that idea. going forward that is the handicap report it is time now Nick we're um we've been talking about this for for months maybe even years Bryson DeChambeau thank you for your inspiration I convinced my regular foursome to play the red tees with me Uh, i was very excited the course that i played was about five thousand yards and i think we found a course that was very similarly rated is that right um
1: yes although i didn't end up playing that course because um it was closed for a tournament uh the day i was gonna play so I, i ended up playing a different course but it was still um, pretty equitable. I mean, the USGA does a, a bang-up job of rating these courses, and um, I ended up playing one where from the forward tees, it wasn't the reds, it was actually like the golds, it was the, mm-hmm. the most forward rated for for men. Um, it worked out perfectly where I got my course handicap from those tees was an 18, which is embarrassing to say. I, I hate to even admit that on, on uh, such a popular podcast with so many people listening. Uh, but it was 79th. like, okay, great, I, I get a clean stroke-a-hole.
0: You want to know how popular we are Uh, this week, 79th, most popular golf podcast in the United States of America. Not bad, not too shabby. So how do you want to go through this? Do you just want to give like the raw results and we can confirm that this is in fact my bottle of wine and then we can kind of go through a little bit of the detail. Does that sound appropriate? Yeah, that sounds good. Okay. So you wanted to play a modified Stableford format.
1: I thought that would be, yes, that's correct. And I thought that would be a good way to go about this. And I, in hindsight, I think that was a good way to go about it because it gives you kind of the mindset that I think you want to be in when you're the whole purpose of playing the red tees is to go out there and and try to go after the lowest number possible and and stay aggressive. And the modified stable for does that because there's a lot more to gain with a low score than there is to lose with a high score. So the risk reward is, is, is heavily in favor of the risk and taking on that, that challenge could a low score. So uh, I thought that was a fun, a fun format to play. I really liked doing that. It worked out kind of the way I had it in my head uh, for me, at least. How did, did you, did you play that format? Did you, did you enjoy it?
0: Um, I actually, to be honest, forgot we were playing that format until I brought, I, ma- I managed to keep the scorecard and bring it home. And then I was like, oh yeah, we did modified stableford score m- format. And to be honest, it really didn't make much of a difference from my perspective because I was playing as a one. So basically the hardest hole in the course, I got a stroke and otherwise I was just playing the course straight up. Yeah. Um, but should I, should I divulge? Well, Are we ready?
1: Well, that's the thing. Just a
0: sec. Okay. Then. Yes. That's I'm the excited. thing about
1: that's. The other reason why I liked the, the modified Stableford format is because you just play your ball and keep a normal right. score like you would. And it's not like you're you're picking up or, you're, you know, I guess you technically you could, but you're still playing your normal ball. Like a lot of people are like, well, I don't want to play a scramble because I want to have my own personal score. You still play your ball. You get your own sure. your, your score. You just
0: have a, an additional way of adding it up at the end. I, I, I think that's fair. Um, okay. Without further ado, I shot a 77. Uh, it's a par of seventy-one. So modified Stableford, I had a birdie-free seventy-seven. Let me put it that way. Um, okay. And I made six bogeys, twelve pars. One of those bogeys was on the number one handicap hole. So I finished with a minus five modified Stableford format.
1: Okay. Yes, it was that. That is that. Sure is your bottle of wine, Joe. I um, I shot a seventy-nine. Thousand. No. <laughs> I shot 105. It was my absolute worst ball striking round of the year. Like, not even close. Like, could not even – couldn't make any any sort of contact with oh, the golf man. ball. Um, I didn't make any pars, but I did make a birdie net eagle for, for oh, five points on the back sick. nine, which, which took me from like a negative – 20 something to a negative, uh, still 20 something, but it was, it was kind of exciting to be like, Oh, that's like, I've never thought of a birdie as a net Eagle before until like I had a point value associated with it. I was like, Oh, that's good. Sure. Um, that was the, the highlight. My, my game from 50 yards in was actually not bad. Um, I just Everything couldn't, else. I just couldn't put a full swing on the ball, which was okay. You know, it, it's going to happen in um, I've kind of come to accept that's just where my, my life and my game is at right now. Um, you got two young humans you're trying to keep alive. Exactly. Like, yes. what, what more can I really do? I've I've since yeah. played a round of golf. Uh, I, I I took Gavin and I played a par three course, and I could actually, in fact, find uh, somewhere near the center of the club face. So I've, I've confirmed that this isn't going to plague me for for the future. Um, did Gavin have fun? Yeah. We'll, we'll, Good. We'll, we'll we'll put that on hold for. Okay, a we'll table because, that. Okay. Yeah, we'll table that. But um, so the round I played. This had nothing to do with with how I played, which is why I wanted to settle the bet before I got into this. Because no matter what the conditions were, I wasn't going to hit the ball well that day.
0: I love but, if I may interject real quick. I love that you wanted to send me a physical thing as your preamble before you got on the podcast to explain what the hell went wrong. Like that was your in advance. You yes. got to get that to me. Be like, no excuses. I lost, but here it comes.
1: Yeah, and and here's what I'll, here's the first thing I'll say is if I would have like had a normal day, like where I actually could hit the ball, like, like played a normal round. I would have said, Joe, I needed to redo the red tee challenge. Like this round doesn't count because the course was closed. It was a downpour. I was the only person out there. As soon as oh. I paid for my round of golf, the, the pro left. I was the only, I sent you a picture from the parking lot. I, I don't know if you, you, you picked up on this. It was an empty parking lot with just, just my car.
0: Um, oh, the that green? was what you sent me and Romy. Okay. Yeah. I don't know if you yeah. picked up on, you know, whatever um too subtle for me
1: yeah like every hole every green like the hole was was had water pouring out of it there was oh like my God. standing water through all the greens and again if i were like putting for bogey and points like <laughs> i would have been like sure. this, this is not legitimate like we, we need to redo this but i was like by the time i'm even on the green i have like a 15 footer for double bogey so i'm like this, this really matter. isn't going to impact like the, the question of the competition is to say like could could you play better than your opponent today? And the answer that question was answered before the course conditions came into play, uh, which is why I I settled the bet. But um, so I I was, I actually was relatively dry for most of it, but by the end, absolutely. So all my rain gear was was saturated. It was almost comical. Um, I still had a really fun day out there. Like Ashley was like, Oh my God, was that so miserable? I'm like, yes, it was miserable. However, I was still happy in, in the misery. It it was, it was kind of fun to have the course to myself and just be out there um, attempting to hit golf shots.
0: I could not have had a more opposite experience weather wise. It was 85 degrees in early October. And I feel, I feel really dumb in retrospect, trying to do something like this on a day like that. Lacey's friend Tabby put it very, very well where they were hanging out, having a beer and, Tabby Lacey's friend is, is a golfer. And Lacey explained that we went out to Glendevere and she said, Oh no, all the denim shorts are going to be out there. And I was <laughs> like, Oh, that's so true. Because let me tell you, buddy, the denim shorts were out there. It was martial law. We teed off at 11 AM. Let me rephrase that. We we're supposed to tee off at 11 AM. We teed off at eleven seventeen. So even starting the round, we are 17 minutes behind wow. every hole took an eternity. That course, I don't think I've ever played it where it's taken more than about four hours and 20 minutes just because of the nature of the course. It just goes fast. You feel like you're playing slow, but in reality, you still play fast. It was a five-plus-hour round. <sighs> the people in front of us just had no idea what they're doing. We're on the 15th hole in uphill par five. There is a cart, so you have to like walk to the top of the hill to see what's going on in the green. I walk up the top of the hill being like, Oh, they're probably close to the green to see a lady in a golf cart, 50 yards ahead of me, turn the wrong direction because her cart has died. Her group (laughs) is her group is on the green. They finish the whole, her husband, her, uh, the person she's committing adultery with. I don't know. He walked back from the green to the golf cart, 100 yards toward me as she is getting a new golf cart given to her instead of him waiting at the green for her to drive the cart up. So it's like that low of common sense that you're dealing with for five hours and eventually it just got to me the last, like, I don't know, six holes. I, I, I was just angry. I was not having fun. I like, I felt bad afterwards because like I had a super early flight the next morning. So every, every like five minutes we were delayed. I'm like, well, this is just less sleep that I'm going to get tonight because it's just <laughs> delayed everything else. But I shot a 77. I actually in retrospect, wish I played more conservatively. I think I played way too aggressive. Like, a lot of the holes that I had were par fours that were 300 yards or less. And most of those I decided to hit driver or go for the green. And I wish that I just would have plunked some five irons out there and left myself 80 yards all day. I, I wish I would have done that because it's tree lined fairways. If you're not accurate, you're being penalized and all you have to do is pop it out there and you have less than hundred yards into the green. And I'm going to give myself birdie putts half the time 75% of the time and I might get hit some pretty close and have a few tap in birdies but instead yeah. I opted to hit driver be very aggressive drive for the green as a matter of fact the only time that I made a birdie was on my second ball I ripped one out of bounds I hit the second one close to the green and then I got up and down for a bogey which was probably the best played hole that I had the entire day I one more thing and I'll move on and let you respond Nick but I, there was hole number nine. I was keeping it together. I was plus one through eight. I made like a 40-footer for par on the eighth hole. There's only two par fives in the golf course. Number nine is one of them. It plays close to 500 from the tips. You get 120 yards playing the forward tee, so it's a 380-yard par five. Hit my best tee shot of the day. I have 80 yards in on a par five. I proceed to chunk it mm. 10 yards in front of me, which for some reason I'm starting to do with the wedges, and it's driving me insane. My third shot, I leave short. I putt up, I miss the, f- the four-foot par putt, and I make a bogey. And at that point, I'm just like seething because it's taking two and a half hours. And then it just kind of degraded from there. I made a few boogies in the back and, and, and kind of lost it there. But that was the that was the maker break point. If I hit that wedge in the green, I two-putt for a birdie, I'm even and I'm feeling okay. Even though it's slow, I'm kind of keeping it together. But I kind of knew in the back of my mind, as soon as I start playing bad, it's going to turn, and it did.
1: Yeah, well, that that whole... Course strategy is is the fun exercise of this because, like, the, the instinct is like, I'm going to drive every green. Right. But, like, the, I think kind of what Bryson is getting at is like, that might not be how you shoot lower scores. Like, are you going to shoot lower scores by going for 10 short par fours and getting close on two of them and getting in trouble on eight? Or are you going to shoot a lower score by plunking 10 five irons and giving yourself 10 chances from inside 100 yards to, right. you know, make power or birdie? Like, so that patience and that kind of mindset and like picking your spots rather than just like pedal to the metal. Um, that's why, and I know we're going to get to this, like, would you do it again? Like my answer was a resounding yes, because yes. number one, i like to do this when like, I don't know, I have a, a golf swing with me. Um, but like you can apply what you've learned and do it again and again. And, and hopefully at some point that will translate to playing the T's you normally play.
0: Yeah, I, I completely agree. I, I, I definitely want to do it again. Um, I would definitely do it differently, and I would pick a different course. This one wasn't the right course. There's only two par fives. I should be picking a course that has at least four par fives. I should be, be picking a course where the disparity between the back tees and the front tees is enormous in terms of yardage. Because this course, there's probably four holes where it makes a real, real difference. And otherwise, it's basically like a 20-yard difference, which I don't know. You're not yeah, really it's getting one,
1: it's one teeing area. And you know, the reds are on the front of that box yeah. and the, you know, the other ones are just a little bit further back. And you're like, well, am i really getting a difference here
0: precisely. But that being said, it, 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 it's, 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 I wouldn't say it's humbling. It just reemphasizes the fact that the only thing that matters in golf is inside a hundred yards. In my opinion, clearly you got to get off the tee. Clearly you got to keep it in play, but I had those 77 strokes, I don't know, 50 of them were around the green. So it's like, that's, that's what matters getting up and down making putts also the course was set up ridiculously the 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 greenskeeper got in a fight with his wife um it's all on me i I should have adjusted i should have kept my cool that 77 could have very easily been a 70 if i just kept my shit together but i couldn't do it i was i was a lunatic the last five holes and uh i've sent like four apology texts to my buddies already about it (laughs) that's funny the the course i
1: played um kind of my last point on this there's a, there's a lot of dog legs. And so the forward mm. tees, a lot of the tee boxes is, is the same where it's it's 15 yards up on the same tee box. But some of the dog legs, it's a different tee box. And it opens up the hole completely. And it's a, it's just a different look, which is fun, too, if you play the same course over and over and over. And there's tee boxes that kind of make a hole, a completely different hole. That's always a fun kind of experience, too.
0: That's a really good point, because this is a course I've played a million times. And obviously, I've never played it from the red So it was fun to have different shots into holes than you normally would. And I think the bottom line is this. I definitely want to do it again. Uh, I want to do it, it, I would say, once a year is probably, like, a good way to do it. Like, hey, let's do the red tees. My buddy said we should be doing this in February, not in golf season. And I'm like, that may be a good point, too. Like, kind of ease your way into the season yeah. or kind of at the end of the season. Like, if you catch a nice day in November, maybe do the red tee challenge. Um, but also, no no one that is listening to this podcast is too good to play from the red tees to the four tees. Not, not a single one of you. Sorry. You're just not. Um, and, and it's just, it's a different way to attack the game. So I, I really enjoyed it. I'm glad we did it. I would encourage everyone else to do it as well. Shall we move on to the, um, the, I guess, big news, expected news? Yeah, yeah. All right. It came out last week that Liv will not be getting official world golf ranking points as it is currently constituted. Should I get into the nitty-gritty real quick, kind of give an overview of what they said? Yeah, I think that's a good overview. Okay, so basically it did not come down to the fact that there's no cut. It did not come down to the fact of field size and allegedly did not come down to the fact of where the money comes from that feeds the league. The two issues they had were that live is a quote-unquote closed shop. So on the PGA Tour, the European Tour, Sunshine Tour in South Africa, Asian Tour, all these tours have feeder systems, ways that you can qualify and ways that people drop out based on performance, qualifying tournaments throughout the year, and Liv doesn't have that. They have the same 48 players. There is a promotion tournament where three players can get in and three players can get out, but Liv has... These lucrative contracts. So Phil Mickelson, Ian Poulter, Paul Casey, regardless of how those guys play during the season, they're going to stay in live golf. Most tours typically have a 20 to 25% turnover rate per season. So the 125 guys who played on the PGA Tour this season with full status could play all the events, most of the events. At least 20 to 25% of those are going to be different in 2024. You with me so far? Yep. When Liv completed its first season, it had 12 players from the top 50 in the world and 24 in the top 100. As of right now, only Cam Smith and Brooks Kepka are in the top 50, and Liv has only six players in the top 100. What's the big deal about that? Well, the official War golf rankings are still a big determining factor, in who gets into the majors, who gets into these big tournaments, and frankly, who gets sponsorship deals. It's pretty easy to say, oh, Brooks Kepka's a major champion. He gets a sponsorship deal. But Taylor Gooch is probably one of the top 20 to 30 players in the world right now. Could be getting sponsorship revenue. He's, he's getting a lot from Liv. But because he's on Liv, he's not going to get to play in the majors. Pat Reed is not going to get to play in anything besides the Masters. Like Dustin Johnson is one of the top 50 players in the world. But the official World Golf Rankings doesn't have him there. The other part of it, Nick, before I move on, is the <clears throat> team aspect. And there's a concrete example that they can point to from earlier this year. Sebastian Munoz at the Live Golf event in Florida prior to the Masters, there was a situation with him. Kepka had a one-shot lead in the final hole. He and Munoz were about 40 feet away from birdie. Munoz was one back. Kepke went first, left the putt just over four feet away. Munoz, if he makes the putt, forces a playoff. But his Torque team, his team named Torque, his team had a one-shot lead in the team event. So Munoz had a decision to make. Putt aggressively for Birdie, try to win the individual event, risking a three putt and perhaps having the team event. He said afterwards, quote, I knew we were one stroke ahead in the team, so I couldn't go extra. I knew I couldn't be too aggressive. So essentially you have the exact scenario that the official Wall Golf rankings can point to and say you had a player not go for the individual title because he was trying to secure the team title. And so because of that aspect, the official World Golf Ranking says, well, this isn't really real. So that's what's happening. The team event, and because there's no feeder system, they run a clothes shop, those are on the surface the two reasons that the official World Golf Ranking Committee is not going to give live golfers points for their events. So when the
1: OWGR says this is not politically motivated and it doesn't have to do with where the money comes, I believe them because I actually kind of think it's in the OWGR's best interest to give live golf points if in fact, you know they, they see it as a viable option like they're, they're biased, if anything should be to want to give live points and here's why. the OWGR's value, is in the hands of the majors, right? That's the only real reason this ranking system is so is so valuable. If the majors say, "Well, hey, you don't have DJ in the top fifty, and we want him in our tournament," it's up to them to say, "Well, we're going to change the criteria." And they could use another ranking system. Data Golf has basically a, a world ranking system that it does include live golf. They could say, "We're going to use the Data Golf ranking and, and, and not the OWGR." Then the OWGR is is basically obsolete. Um, so really if, if they believe, like they actually said, like these players do deserve to be ranked, they're good enough to be ranked, but we just can't make an equitable formula to, to kind of calculate that out. Like they should, they want them. My point is they want them in there if they can make it work because they become obsolete if the majors say, Hey, I want P Reed and DJ, and this is my way to get them in in Bryson. I think had a, you know pretty level-headed take, was like, hey, we're not too surprised by this. I think it would be fair if to give the top 12 live guys spots in the majors. Basically, like, hey, if you want to kind of make it the way it was before, just say, like, as one of your criteria for the majors, top 12 from live, you're in. So that way you have your own qualifying system so you don't rely on the OWGR.
0: I think that makes sense. I think you need to have some way for the live golfers to be in the majors. And, and and I also think you're right. The official war golf rankings, it behooves them to have the best players in their ranking system, because the rankings don't mean as much as they did two years ago. There's no, there's no way around it. It's not like you can have a ranking system that's legitimate. And Brooks Kepka and cam Smith and Dustin Johnson are ranked where they are. It just doesn't make any sense. I think I, I don't think that we can continue like this much longer. I don't think you could have another full season of live and then go into 25 and say, well, these guys still aren't a part of this. Right. It just doesn't make any sense. It becomes crazier and crazier. And then if you're the masters, if you're the U S open, if you're the PGA championship, your fields are getting weaker. That's bad for them too. It's bad for everybody. Live has successfully gotten top players. And as a result, everyone else needs to acquiesce and not everyone's doing that. And it's bad for us. It's bad for the fans. And I don't have access to the TV ratings, but
1: the majors this year had enough Live players in them to build up that live versus PGA tour kind of rivalry, kind of showdown. I mean, one Kerrico won major this year. If you start to get majors with with only a couple live guys or no live guys, and they're not really relevant, you probably exclude a lot of the viewing audience who just wants to see the carnage of like Patrick
0: Reed go against Justin Thomas in
1: the, in the last round of a major.
0: Yeah, dude, you look at the results of the masters, um, Brooks, Phil and Pat Reed were all in the top four. So three of the top six finishers were live guys. It's not like they're irrelevant from a play perspective. Something's got to change. Like I understand sort of what the official world golf rankings is, but they needed to provide some sort of alternative. Like I'm surprised they came out with this ruling, but hadn't already come to some sort of like under the table decision with the four majors to make sure that you were getting the players who are playing the best on this tour in the major championships, because that's really anyone cares about. That's that. That's the only thing is you have these four tournaments and the best players in the world come play in these tournaments. And that's what most golfers and golf fans care about. And they're not going to do that. We're going to have another year unless something changes in the next six months where the best players in the world aren't playing the best tournaments. And that's a failure.
1: Yeah. And and the thing about the majors changing their criteria to allow more access to live, they can do that. And, and the USGA did change the criteria in reaction to live to, to, basically exclude taylor gooch from yeah from, <laughs> from its tournament which is kind of surprising to, yeah it was literally they made they changed one word that that all it did was take taylor gooch from in the field in the u.s open to out of the field so i'm a little bit surprised that they did that to exclude a live player but moving forward i would not be surprised to see them change criteria or make exceptions or make an extra criteria that gets a the best live players into their tournaments one way or another.
0: Well said. Should we move on to the, uh, the mad golfer? Yes. Oh, here we go. Our mad golfer of the week is Justin Keaton. And he played out at Langdon farms golf club. I posted a 32nd review of this course recently besides stone Creek. This is the best public course in the Portland area. We had a tremendous day out there the last weekend of summer a few weeks back if you're in the Portland area if you're visiting the Portland area if you want to know a good public course to play any time of year especially the winter maybe drains spectacularly Langdon Farms Golf Club that was not Justin's opinion here he is quote that wasn't the review no that was not the review that was that (laughs) that was that was the Joe Simons interjection here's Justin don't waste your time or money at this course had a force in that all shot in the 80s. All right, Nick, we've already checked that's, the box. That's a bingo. That's a if bingo square right there. If you're saying you saying <laughs> excuse me. If you're saying how good you play, um, it's not gonna, it's not gonna go well. Here's here's more from Justin. Had Marshalls swarming the entire round. Tucson behind us never had to wait or pushed us. However, Marshall told us we need to pick up pace of play so the Twilight Golfers would not be impacted. How could Twilight golfers be impacted if no one behind us ever had to wait? Keith Lee, employee, is clueless about golf etiquette and course management. I've played all over the world. They'll never be back. They'll never experience anything like this the way the courts treats us and its customers. We'll certainly not be back. Now, when we played at Langdon, we were stuck behind a slow foursome. And by the third green, Keith Lee this, – this, this is me now – Mm-hmm. Keith Lee or some marshal out there told them to get their shit together and pick their pace up. It was not a problem the rest of the day. So he nipped that in the bud right away. And I was like, damn, I love this place. That's so good. Just, so good. yes, four and a half hours. Course responded, Nick. I, that's the best. Course says, excuse me, Justin, Jason, whatever your name is. Here's what Langdon Farm says. Quote, thank you for sharing your experience, Jason. Through regular customer feedback, we know pace of play faster than your group's chosen pace is generally preferred. Our Encore staff and Keith were also working with the group behind you to create a better experience for everyone. We know completing 18 holes in less than 4 hours and 30 minutes is not for everyone, and we are sorry that standard did not meet your expectations.
1: Boom! I love it. Putting them on blast. So good. That's the best because... It gives context to everybody else out there, and, and I know courses keep data on this. I can't specifically say if Langdon has it, but there are, there are pace of play trackers that courses use to say, hey, look, if you put stock, are you going to align yourself with somebody who plays a four-hour and 45-minute round or everybody else? That's how much stock you should put into this review.
0: That's, yeah, it's, it's, it's really it's, well put. It's the perfect but mic drop. Langdon, I love you so much. Congrats, Justin. You are. Our mad golfer of the week. And with that, it is now time for Nick Rules brought to you by Matchstick Golf. Use promo code Turn20 at checkout. This Nick Rules is a continuation of last week's Nick Rules. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> so okay. Last, last week. I listened back to that episode and I'm like, do I quite understand this? Are we making okay. up rules? I love it. So
1: we're it's it's and all right. So last week I gave I, I gave the rule that you are allowed to use any model local rule you want and still post the score to your handicap. So I, I did some more research to see what exactly like these model lo- local rules are, which I, which is what I wanted to follow up on. A lot of them aren't relevant. It's like if there's temporary immovable obstructions and you want to play it as a, as a movable obstruction, or if you want to play it as this, or, you know, it's like, okay, well, unless you're in a PJ tour event, it really right. doesn't matter. Some of the, the two biggest ones that, that do matter are, are the out-of-bounds rule where you can just move up and, and take two strokes and play it from the fairway like 100 yards up and lift clean in place. But what I found when I was looking for, for all that was something that also in the rules of golf that contradicts the original rule to an extent. So I'm just going to read a bunch of stuff right, straight from the rule book and then give you the two-second synopsis.
0: Great. Okay. I love it.
1: So here's last week's Nick, Nick rules. Mm-hmm. Quote, Where a player follows the provisions set down in a model local rule, even when the committee in charge of the course has not adopted that MLR, the score may still be acceptable for handicap purposes. The same situation applies where a player is in breach of a model local rule that has been adopted by the committee. Examples of this situation include the MLR, where a score might be acceptable. A player has proceeded under the alternative option to the stroke and distance relief procedure, despite this model local rule not being in effect, or the player has used a distance measuring device, despite the model local rule prohibiting their use being in effect. It's basically do what you want. (laughs) Now, here's what I learned. Now, also from the USGA rules of golf. Okay. As a general principle, when a player is playing a round that is to be posted for handicap purposes, he or she is required to play it under the rules of golf. The committee authorizes players to play in ways that differ significantly from the rules of golf. Uh, If the committee authorizes that, the player must not be permitted to post a score for handicap purposes. For allowable exceptions, consult the rules or recommendations contained within the handicap system operating in the local jurisdiction. The too long didn't read. You can post scores when you play with your own model local rules, but you shouldn't. And to paraphrase the hangover, it's not illegal. It's just
0: frowned upon. <laughs> so, wow. So you can have a bit of a dirty handicap. Not that you can I mean, I think ultimately it comes down to this. You can post anything you want on the GIN app. I could put 67 in there 20 times, and all of a sudden I'm a plus handicap. Like, no one's going to stop me from doing that. So it's, I, I suppose it's like anything else in golf, right? You have to have some honor in what you do and you have to t- take that approach with model local rules as well. Exactly. Exactly.
1: So they're basically saying, yes, technically you can do it, but look, if you're playing golf and you're posting for your handicap, you should play by the rules of golf.
0: I love that. Okay. We all that know is, of course. Yeah, we all know, but please follow that. And that is Nick rules. Before we sign off, we got a couple minutes. Tell me how it went with Gavin on the golf course.
1: Yeah, so uh, I had this 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 product called the Kid Caddy, which basically turns your stroller into a a push cart, so you can oh, go man. out there and, and relieve you know the other parent from parenting duties for a little while and and, and go for a stroll and hit some golf shots. So that's what I did. Um, I took Gavin, my two, uh, gonna turn three in December, and uh, he wow, he's was was that excited. close to three. That's exciting. Yeah, I know, I know, and we built it up for like. week and a half like you're gonna go to the real golf course he's like I'm gonna go to the real golf course he wanted to practice golf every day with this golf club uh we got out there and he wanted to get out of the stroller and and play golf and hit golf shots every time we got to the green uh, I'd let him out and he'd run over first thing he would do is pick up my ball off the green and run back and give it to me (laughs) the second (laughs) thing he would do is put his ball one inch from the cup (laughs) And take about nine strokes to try to put it in. Every stroke got further and further from the cup. Uh, Um, But he loved it. He had a great time. We were on the ninth hole. And I said it was the last hole. And he said he didn't want to be done. He wanted to keep playing. Uh, So it was a great experience. It was a lot of fun. And um, I'm definitely going to do it again.
0: That's the best. It's... I mean, you, you probably weren't reacting this way, but we talked about when I had uh, Lacey's nephew out on the golf course, and I was terrified of screwing him up for golf, of like, this has got to go well. And I mean, if you're just normal out there, make make it fun for a kid. Like, it's pretty easy to make stuff fun for kids if they're outside and they're running around. And I'm so glad that was the experience that you guys had. So,
1: And, and a bunch of everybody we saw, like, there, there was like Greens Creepers training going on. So they were like, like, four carps full of greenskeepers were going to every green and like they were kind of following us or going ahead of us. I was like, I wonder what they're going to say. And they were all like, this is awesome. This is, this is the best way uh, to play a round of golf. We'll see you it. on the PGA tour in 20 years. And then <laughs> at one point I, I, uh, I hit up onto the green to like four feet and, and you know, somebody said something and Gavin goes, why did that guy say nice shot data? <laughs> I'm like, maybe hey, you should say nice shot data sometime. <laughs> and of uh, course we go home and, uh, you know, Ashley asked, you know, Gavin, how it was mm-hmm. and, and Gavin, uh, his only comment was, was that I hit it into the forest,
0: <laughs> not a tree, not a tree or, or a bunker. The friggin' forest mom. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's so, unbelievable. That no, I'm excited. I'm, I think I'm getting out to the par three with my nephews this weekend. I'm, I'm visiting it's them so in, in Raleigh. So yeah, it's good times. Less about us, more about the next generation of golfers, Nick, huh? That's the good stuff. Yeah, maybe we will
1: carry on this podcast in uh, 20 or 30
0: years. I love it. Hand off hey, the reins. Hey, play the red tees, call ahead, and see if your favorite course has punched or not. I'm
1: Lacey Evans. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time at The Turn.